Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, I am here with Steve from RetroTech live in person. This isn't a green screen. We're actually right here. Uh, and we are two years late for this interview. <laughs> two years. I can't believe it. The world almost prevented it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was funny because I'd been talking to you a, bunch, a few times before. And then I knew we were going to meet up at that meetup thing. And then I talked to you there and I was like, oh, well, we're going to meet up in like a month or two anyway. And then three months, three or four months later, the world shut down. So uh, mm-hmm. a very belated in-person interview that we should have been doing a while back but uh, unlucky for you since there's been this much time there's been that many more crts accumulated that i just drove down here yeah yeah well that's okay that's all right we like it yeah so how you been man i I know you've been up to a bunch of been great uh can't complain like you i just got done with a pretty um extensive move i have i lived in one place prior to this one house for 13 years, which was the longest stint in my adult life living in one spot and then moving here, uh, you know, you get and you're like remembering the stuff that you packed that you thought was important 13 years ago and then you never saw it till you moved out. So that was yeah. that was a lot of fun going through that stuff. But yeah, you know, just getting kind of you know in the groove of, from moving. That's been another feeling. And, you know, moving uh, i moved so many times in the past few years because i would do like five or six years at a clip in a different place but when i moved to the city the first time stuff got split between uh storage areas every friend's house that i know and then you know and then the apartment and then it went to an office in a different apartment and then all in the same apartment and now all of this stuff is starting to come together and i'm seeing boxes that i haven't seen in six years <laughs> that i'm just like I wish I'd known I had this. Like, how many times did I go for for this? Didn't have it. I probably bought three of the same thing. So, yeah, yeah. that's a common problem. I'm always looking for something. Like, I just saw that because now I moved. I like I just saw that, but I'm like honestly, I have no idea where it is right now. Or the opposite, like you say, you find it and it's you're really happy because you did find it and you yeah. get to use it and you're just like, wow. So there's been a lot of both of that stuff. Uh, did you find anything real cool that you forgot you had? Uh, actually, yeah, I found, I was laughing. So my old shop, anybody who's watched my channel for a while will know it was just a two car garage that was, uh, a little bit oversized, but by the time I left, I had, it was almost like a hoarder's map path in this garage. Cause I just had walls of CRTs everywhere. And I moved, uh, a layer of just what I thought was boxes. And I found three 2030s that I had honestly forgot I even had just that sit is there. <laughs> I was like, I'm so they ridiculous. No, one of them is okay. The other two are parts ones. But at the same time, I was still, I was like, I, I thought, I thought I had a parts one somewhere, but then, so that was, that was probably like the biggest, most obnoxious thing uh, that I had found. And 
other things. It's, um, I think a lot of times like I would buy stuff thinking I would know what I want to do with it and have a plan. And then you set it down. It could just be like a little adapter or something. You find, I finally, now that I've got the new place set up, I finally got the situation where I can use that adapter where I thought, oh, I'll buy this because one day I'll get the adapter. So there's a lot of like little things like that. Um, I did find uh, like some really cool stuff in the house that I moved into because this was my granddad's old house. Hmm. And the house that I grew up in as a kid is this very house in this room. Um, so it was interesting to find things that he had left behind here. Uh, like the blueprints, the original blueprints for this house from the 50s. Jeez, that's going to be cool. That find. Yeah, and so I've got those here um, and just all kinds of stuff. He actually had some like a stack of comic books and most of them were crap, but one of them was worth like 500 bucks. And so I was like, <laughs> this is, so it's always, it's a, that makes it a little bit more fun because he was into such weird trinkets and things and uh so much stuff just left behind here. It was kind of like a maze or a mess going through his stuff too. But um, that's pretty much. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had that enjoyment cleaning out a family member's house before. It's always the opposite. It's always like, <laughs> why on earth would anybody keep this? Like, on, on what planet does somebody go, don't throw that out? We might need that someday. So Yeah, there was plenty of that also. Like, my granddad was the kind of guy who never threw anything away and never... There was never anything that uh, was too much junk for him. He was a, pretty much a junk collector. And so there was a lot of stuff. There still is a lot of stuff that's not worth anything that's that's around. Uh, most of it's gone now, but yeah. That's funny. I mean, I guess you could say that about a lot of the stuff I have, but it's it's always been the same for me, right? Like in my first job I ever had when the company moved, I took every cable they had and I lugged that around from house to apartment to apartment and one day I was like, I, I mean, these cables are from 1995. I don't need them. Who, why, why would I ever need these again? And less than a week goes by after I threw them out and I needed a serial to serial cable to upgrade the firmware on a DVD-O box. And I'm like, you ass, you just lost 20 bucks because yeah. you, you didn't want to be a hoarder. And so. then you got to go, yeah, then you're like, that's the worst is having to go buy it after you threw it out. And because there's no getting around it. You're having like, to I buy have it to. and having to wait. So your oh, project's yeah, now on hold it's even for four days yeah. when you could have been done. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff's infuriating. So, so how long has your channel been around now? It's been the past well, couple of years yeah, been a blur to me. So it's I, even... I know, right? It's been um, so. I want to say that we're pushing up right about three and a half years. I did it. I started it in uh, about a June, end of May, June, and so that was three years back this last June. So 2018, I guess I started it. So yeah, three and a half years I've been doing it um, now. And that's pretty much the main thing. I did um, the only other thing, I'm, I'm active on, somewhat active on other social medias besides YouTube. Just thanks to you, the only one I really got into was Twitter really about a year ago. Oh, I'm so and that's, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I've already, I've had an okay time with it, but that's it. surprisingly... Um, and I was laughing with my wife. I think it's the fact that like my mom is not on Twitter. Like I can't I can't step foot in Facebook anymore because you know mom and grandma that's and granddad funny. are over there posting family photos, and that's all that turns into. So it's like now I just go there and there. But 
Um, I've, I, I've had a, yeah, the YouTube channel is now three and a half years old. I want to say this December and, uh, man, it's just been, I've, I've had an absolute blast doing it. Do you have Instagram too? Yeah, I do have Instagram and Facebook, but they're both, um, on, uh, they're just ones that I don't, I I go in and check on some other people and ones I haven't been posting on as much as probably I should be. But, um, you know, when you're, it's almost like you can, there's, there's so many of them now that, and, and I feel like every day too, there's a new social media platform and you're just like, you can't keep up with all of them. So I figure if I could do two good, then that's better <laughs> than just one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's impossible to keep up with all of them. That's, you know, it, it's kind of useless at the same time. But yeah. You just don't want to have all your eggs in one basket because I'm really, I'm sick of seeing people, uh, like a good channels, not drama channels, good channels wake up and have their channels deleted. Yeah. And it was yeah. an accident, but YouTube doesn't care. No, so. YouTube doesn't care, especially like a lot of things they've been doing lately. It doesn't, you know, things don't really make sense. So you could do that. And, um, maybe that's why I'm sure like you, I've got too many hard drives over there with just backed up backups of backups of videos. And it's like, I pro- probably will never do anything with those videos unless something do ha- does happen to the channel. But, uh, at the same time, you're always thinking about that and, and wanting to, you know, diversify to make sure that if something happens, you can almost reset kind of in a way where it, it, would be devastating but it wouldn't destroy you well there's a couple of things that um that you could kind of do to help that the first in by far the easiest is link your youtube account to the newer other services out there like mm-hmm. BitChute and odyssey and yeah i've they, been hearing a lot about odyssey like for tech stuff being even maybe a little bit good of a place right now to try to back yeah it up. and i mean you know i interviewed the ceo of odyssey a long time ago back when it was still called library i think it is lbry but uh, I like them because they're backups and because there's no, there's no negative to doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, occasionally you'll have the morons be like, oh, well, that service has bad people on it. Well, every service yeah. <laughs> that's has bad people on it. You know, it's, I don't understand why people highlight that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I cloned up to those and there's no negative from that. But the other thing I've done, uh, and I could thank Risha for this because she basically bullied me into getting an unraid server where you just you take an old pc mm-hmm. and, you, and all you need is a bunch of sata ports and it turns it into like a raid server but none of the drives have to match they could all be different sizes okay. so i basically built like a 2500 dollars nas for 600 bucks yeah so that's yeah. that's an important one and you know we're, we're nerds we could figure that out so yeah it's it's definitely important to have a backup uh plan you know I feel like too the the that's something that would always catch you kind of off guard. You know, it's it's not like something that I don't think a lot of times people are really going to be um, unless they're provocative and that's their draw, and they're already pushing the envelope of every rule, and then they know they're going to get eventually booted off. Whereas us, it might just be some simple mistake of. I mean, I'm talk- I'm I, I hate to say it, but I have I've self-consciously think about what I'm saying with like the parts within a CRT because yeah. of who knows what the trigger words are anymore when everything has become a uh something that you know could be considered um a, a, something that could basically flag 
a YouTube video for any reason. I don't think you actually need to do anything anymore. I think if a bunch of scumbags just all flag it at the same time. Yeah, well, that's probably maybe. true, too. That that will get it reviewed and everything, so. Yeah. Yeah, that stinks, but. Yeah, I mean, I always keep good backups of everything. Years ago, I lost, uh, you know, a whopping two terabyte hard drive. That was back when they were by far the biggest you could have. Yeah. And I started to recover it, and I could only get half the files, so I brought it to a buddy who worked at a shop, and they charged like 500 bucks, and I got everything back. And I just remember sitting there talking to my old boss about it, and he's like, how much would another two terabyte drive have cost? I'm like, ah, probably like three, 350. He's like, how much did you spend trying to get your data back? I'm like, yeah, point, point well made, buddy. I'm never, never doing that again. So mm-hmm. I always have everything backed up from now on. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's... That's I laugh every time. Um, every time something goes on sale, it seems like it's always going to be memory, right? So it's like every Black Friday, Cyber Monday. That's the first thing that I'm like. Well, I probably don't really need it, but I will eventually. So it's like just go ahead and buy the so extra. That's one thing I try to keep people in the loop of. So just like how you, for your Patreon subscribers, do the yeah. you know here's the cool CRTs I found. Anytime hard drives drop. I tweet about it. And yes, mm-hmm. I tweet with an affiliate link because how the hell else am I going to keep the lights on? But <laughs> it's not because I don't tweet because of that. I tweet because, holy crap, this is cheaper. And there's always, always some fucking know it all that's like, actually, if you buy two smaller drives, you can combine them to make a bigger. Yeah, no shit, fuckface. <laughs> but if you have an unraid server and a limited amount of bays in your computer, then you need to just take the biggest drive possible. But those 18 terabytes have plummeted and they, they skyrocketed and then plummeted in price yeah and i think they're hanging out in the middle now but i always try to tweet about those because if you're doing backups they're slow but who cares right if it's backup who cares and it's like you set that to backup overnight or something when it's not in your schedule and it's not taking up you know your workflow or workspace but yeah that's that's gotten so i i'm I, that blows me away how much the price goes down on things like memory at such a high rate and like at the same time um the speed just keeps going up and things and options like that so it's really yeah it's a good thing at least you know we've got a place to put all our stuff (laughs) yeah yeah i'll be doing some more videos on on raid and how it relates to the gaming community and the cool things we're working on uh but that that's upcoming that's yeah well that sounds cool because i'm like uh yeah i'll be definitely interested in knowing more myself on it there's another project going on behind the scenes that like i don't want to talk about it until it's ready because i don't respectfully i don't want a million excited (laughs) people just saying is it ready yet is it ready yet like but when it's ready for beta, it's it's pretty cool. It's just some things you could do that are directly related to retro gaming. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, you talk about kind of getting um, excited about products and and I and things ahead of time, and I feel like sometimes you know uh, a couple things this year have really like done that with, of course, our parts shortage problem the whole world's dealing with, but it's just like so much excitement around products like i'm talking i talk to ryan all the time from castlemania mm. uh, and you know we'll be talking about the 68x clone cards and just the unbelievable challenges he's having where um he will secure all the important parts you would consider that where you know are going to go out but then all of a sudden it's the final parts like now we're running into where bnc had connections are becoming scarcer and difficult to get not even i mean he's talking about 
you know, one run of boards. So he's got to get a couple thousand of them, but it's not a huge amount of them. And just the fact that he, he struggled just to find, I know that was the last part to find and then getting all the parts and then getting it finally over into production. And, uh, at the same time, it's insane because I talked to Martin developer Mm -hmm. and he's like, that FPGA now that was developed in that board, Ryan could sell that just the FPGA back to industry and make more money than he would, because he's not really making any money on the cards. It's like yeah, <laughs> he could, and it, so it's such a strange thing because we're in this weird like cycle of where we want to get super pumped about a product. You know, I'm sitting here wanting to test and show off like a prototype board. But I don't really want to get too much more hype out there till it's actually exactly released, especially to people that have already you know paid in and are on uh, patiently waiting. Which uh, you know, I, but we all have to get in the mindset, unfortunately, of being um, waiting unless we're yeah. you know like Mike Cheese, the only one who's done like a incredible job this year of avoiding that problem. Yeah, my patience is really wearing thin with that because for the past six months, I always. You know, being like the middleman, and that's kind of how my job's always been is the middleman. Like, I understand exactly what it's like. You're the consumer. You've had a, a ship date promised to you. You've put your money in, and it's not there, and you don't know where it is. Did you lose your money? Is it? Like, I understand completely. And then I also understand what it's like to be in a good place in life, and then all of a sudden some terrible shit happens, and you're broke, and you're like, oh, and where's that thing that I spent 300 bucks on? I could really use that money now. I get it, and I have all the sympathy in the world, but we're months, if not a year, into a part shortage. People got to realize, like, if you're the one out, especially if you're a nerd, and you're talking shit about delays, then you're kind of just an asshole. Because it's one of those, well, I don't understand, there's only seven parts, why can't they just get them? Like, well, that obviously you've never developed anything no. in your life. Because you can't just say, oh, well, that's a 75-ohm resistor, yeah, just put another one on. Anybody that's ever had anything manufacturing knows exactly how this story ends. It's the wrong 75 ohm. It's too little voltage. It's too big. It's too, you know, there's all these things that have to go in one step at a time in order to get there. So it's, it's, you know, as general public still gets a pass, but as nerds, come on, come on, everybody. We're nerds. We know these things. We should be leading a kind of an example in this because we know where this is going and like what is happening. And I, I mean, there's no, I don't have any insider knowledge on any of this stuff, but I can tell from the way things are going is we've still got some months and maybe an entire, unfortunately, year of bad yeah. things where it's going to be difficult before this manages to catch up and hopefully get better. I'm, I mean, I'm at the point now where I'm getting concerned that um, even on the jobs I work on with electrolytic capacitors, just the selection of diff, you know, the quality, uh, everything has gone down to where you cannot get the same part that you might have been familiar with. And then you look at an, a resupply date and it is literally... A lot of them are June 2022. 2023. I've oh, yes. And, yeah. and I mean, that, so you look at that and you're like, oh, my goodness. Um, and you look at what's available. And I start to wonder at what point, like you say, what point are we sacrificing our product because we're taking whatever this company says is that they have left. And what they really have left is the bottom of the barrel, dried up old capacitors 
that yeah. were sitting in a bin for Getting ready five to be years out. that were pretty much junk, but they're like, hey, we've got them. We sell them because we don't have any product after that. And this isn't small manufacturers, you know, that are dealing. These are the big time players in parts and uh, manufacturing. Yeah. And on top of that, too, like if you're a, a manufacturer and you're trying to spin things back up, you're trying to catch up, and you have a choice between making 10,000 BNC connectors that you might make 10 cents each on, or 100,000 of something else that you might make 60, 70 cents each on. Like, the stuff that used to be insignificant is now gone because, of course, they're going to make that decision, right? They would be stupid not to. So it's one of those things where we're all doomed for about another year for these new products. And there's, there are two products that might be canceled as a result. And then there's at least three others that I'm a part of that are on hold indefinitely where it's like, if I have time, maybe I'll rewrite this entire project for a different chip that may or may not be in stock, or maybe we'll just wait another year and then and see. So it sucks for everybody. Yeah, and it's it's going to be a time, I think, where um, hopefully people don't get burnt out because it, of it. And I, I, I you know, that... That kind of market condition definitely will, um, like we're talking right now, it's definitely stifling innovation and where new products are being able to be released. And then like you say, you design a product that's for a certain chipset. Well, then the person who's put all the effort into engineering, designing, and getting everything ready for this one setup and design that's tested and ready to go out for mass testing, all of a sudden they got to go and put all this effort back into the same project around redesigning it and that in itself you know how that is when you're working on a project having to get it over and get started back over it can be a um a hindrance where guys who don't you know this is their hobby then it obviously can put a roadblock to where it slows you down from wanting to continue down that passion mm. and then all of us kind of suffer from that but yeah. i know that we've got resilient people in this business because i've seen them go through things um, that's what's funny is the longer we've been doing this, the longer you see people still out and you meet them and you, you know, years go down the road and you know, they're still struggling with the same kind of things, but they're still there. So they're passionate about the business and the field that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good to see that, but just, you know, I hope everybody's careful. And I, I always talk about with open source projects, I've done a couple podcasts about that where it's like, I love open source and I love that people do that, but you also have to keep in mind that the world isn't always so nice. So like if you have a really cool project and you you're, you're done with it now and you want to share it with the world and you were considering making some, but you know, you're wondering if how you're going to do it. If you open source that now and it's an awesome project, a clone company is going to pick it up and they're not going to, and you know, maybe they're a company that's going to play by all of the rules and give you credit and send people to your social media, your Patreon, or, Maybe they're like the clone companies we're all used to where they're just going to pass it off as if it's their design and no one knows that it's you and you get nothing for your time. So, you know, everybody's yeah. unfortunately got to pay attention and be that, careful. That, I mean, I saw not, I think it was within the last day or two where that specific instance just happened with, uh, did you see the guy who had redesigned a mini shell for the N64? I saw that. So this was, yeah, he said, I mean, I watched him post, um, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the 
Twitter handle, but me neither. But it's in my queue to, yeah, to write up I, as a post. Sorry, I'm sure it's like, <laughs> sorry, but uh, he had put out this design for this really cool redesigned shell, completely printed, smaller version it's for like a sixty-four N64 mini or something. Yeah, called it. yeah, and he open sourced the files, and then he said that within like two days of doing that, another company had come along, had production re pre-orders and sold a bunch and he's like well i wasn't even planning on doing this but this is somewhere you can at least buy it from me and uh you know so it's like yeah it's unfortunate because i think a lot of people especially with the innovation and the allowance of 3d printers and uh, circuit boards that you can easily kind of get still somewhat there's always that like he did he did great work, designed this thing, thought he would open source it in a cool way that the community, of course, would love it and enjoy it. And then just this poacher comes along, grabs yeah. it right within a couple days, literally, and goes and starts selling it and makes, I mean, to make more money than he will make, unfortunately, off of it, I'm sure, because of just the way they're ready, but it's... It's an ugly side of the business. Yeah, that... this is a really harsh thing to say, but the unfortunate truth is if you're going to do something like that, you have to immediately come to terms with the fact that that could happen. Right. I just had a conversation with somebody the other day who was complaining about somebody who made a bunch of money off of their design, and I'm like, well, did you? what license did you use for open source? They're like, I, I don't know. I'm like, well, did you tell people it was okay to make and they were like, yeah, but I mean, I didn't expect this to happen. It's like, well, it's your fault then. It's not nice. It's not right. But it's 100% your fault for doing that. And you got to just suck it up and come to terms with it. And that's not a nice, no one wants to hear that. But if you're asking my opinion, you're not, you don't, nobody calls me. So I, to have me be like, oh, you know what? You were right. Come here. Let's cuddle with me. No, people call me because they're like, I fucked up. What am I going to do? And right, it's like, yeah. sometimes the answer is you, you, you fucked up. That's it. Don't do this again if you don't if you don't want to see somebody else sell it. But. I've been around uh, the business world long enough to see that yeah they you know most of these larger com- corporations especially things that are outside of the United States are you know they don't have any moral scruples when it comes to um, intellectual intellectual property yeah. and. Honestly, some of these places are promoted to actually go out and take other people's intellectual property by their own uh, establishments. So it's it's like you say, you have if you're not prepared for your design to be ripped off, then um, you either don't release it or you put in some kind of a whatever plan you want to try to do it. But I think you and uh, Nick talked about it greatly in depth that. There's from HD Retrovision on the podcast a couple weeks back. You don't have um, endless amounts of money to just invest in protecting your intellectual property all day. Now, of course, Nintendo and Sony, they, of course, do. But little guys that aren't that, I mean, those are biggest in the world. So they have an interest there. They can sit there and fight that and literally just throw money at it and make no money in return. And it's not a loss for them. But us, we can't sit there and bankrupt our family and, you know, all our future over protecting um, one company from ripping off our design or something. I mean, the same thing goes with any of our content, right? Yeah. Somebody who was like apparently a beloved member of the retro gaming community 
Uh, I didn't. I don't know who this person is. Somebody told that, by the way. But they stole a, a footage of me in a video and used it in their video. So it's not even like a, like a picture of me lag testing something. It's me, and then misrepresented what I said completely. And they said they did that because, and I don't know if this is true, this is hearsay, but I'm pretty sure they said they did that because they heard something I said about fair use and wanted to prove to me that it's not true. No, I'm still 100% right, because that didn't come from me. That came from lawyers, like with an S, multiple lawyers over the years of working on it. And I talked about this with Lon. Fair use is a defense. That's not protection. So yeah. if I was a douchebag with a shitload of money, I could totally sue him. Now, uh, yeah. I would win zero money. Yes. And the only thing that would happen to him is he'd be forced to take the video down and, you know, compensate me and, you know, which would be about 50 cents. <laughs> but like, so that's why people don't do it. All you do, yeah. you just end up looking like a giant piece of shit. You don't get any money. You right. lose all your own money. But the whole fair use thing is just a defense in court. It doesn't give you the right to steal people's shit, but people do it anyway. You're exactly right. It's just a defense in court. Like, yeah. and it's it's again, it's it's uh, it's so it's it's almost so subjective too that it has to be interpreted by whatever that single situation is because it's not cut and dry. I think it's been proven. Right. And but it's there's such a small difference. But well, small difference in effort, giant difference in uh, in application. If so, like if somebody did that and stole your footage of you working on a CRT and passed it off as it was theirs somehow, or mocked you doing a good job, like like it's yeah. a douche move. But oh, yeah. if somebody screenshotted their desktop with your YouTube channel on there, so you could see your YouTube channel, talked about what you were doing. And then said, and you know, by the way, this was Steve from RetroTech. You know, check yeah, out his yeah, channel yeah. here. It's technically that's still stealing, but nobody with a brain on their head would ever be mad about that because it's right. that's free promotion, that's a compliment, that's exposure. There, that small, small difference, and especially with the retro gaming community, especially in the circle that we hang in, if somebody just messaged us like. Hey, you know, I have a bigger channel than yours, and I wanted to talk about your work. Is it okay? We'd shoot footage oh, for them. Oh, well, absolutely! Like, I would, yeah, I ha- and I have many times said, "I'll don't use the existing footage. I'll shoot brand new footage, both to make it look fresh, to improve on what I did last time, and so there's no chance of a um, copyright strike because YouTube's right, automatic. Right. You know, sometimes you you know you have no real control over that." So like I, I would have I would have loved to have helped, and I'm sure you would have too. And it just so yeah. but there's nothing you could do, you know. You're absolutely right. There's um, I've never met anybody in uh, in our community that is like straight up no or just like a jerk. You know, if you're if you're I, I wouldn't. I mean, maybe that's a little bit too forgiving. I was gonna say, I can I, mean, I can well, open up a pattern right on the list. I, I, I know. I, I and I. Zach's I like, a real good friend of mine, but he's number one in the jerk yeah. list. <laughs> but even, but even with, even with uh, Zach, or you, if you if you have a sincere question about something, I've never seen him go off on somebody for that. Never. never. Like I've seen I've him seen bend him over sit, backwards. Right. To I've help seen people. him like repost and say this is something that is like on the back of my mind and i want to think more about how to get this out there and like so and it'll be something and uh he does love to destroy the dutton kruger syndrome people yeah he gets pleasure in that and i don't (laughs) i I don't mind watching it i'm not gonna lie 
I'll just be honest about that. We're all having fun here. So it's, I mean, that's, but, but again, it kind of goes back to the point where if, um, I don't think somebody's going to just come if like, like again, if you came or if somebody with a small channel came and just straight up stole your footage, which happens. And then, uh, yeah, especially misrepresenting anything. That's the worst. It's hard enough. It's hard enough for us to like, try to get a, our point across clearly sometimes in our videos. It's like, it is extremely hard. It's like, we're doing like technical stuff with technical reviews and, um, you know, it can be very hard for us to be like, well, this was where I wanted you to like, think the perspective was on this video. And there's always somebody out there with a different mindset and a different attitude. That's looking for something they either nitpick and tear apart and, and be like this. And you're like, well, I wasn't even coming from that perspective or that really wasn't something I was looking at. Um, so, you know, it's... And a lot of people can't wrap their head around people who do more than one thing. And I've talked about this before, but like sometimes there's like a thing in our caveman brains that like, that are good. Like if you went to dinner one night and like, you like table magic guy comes over like, Oh, here, you know, I want to you know, make you look stupid in front of your table of people. And just, and then you go the next morning for brain surgery and your neurosurgeon's table magic guy. I'm out. I'm out. I understand that humans can do two different things, but that's a, like, I don't trust any of this, but like, why can't I do good technical videos and then also do silly stuff too? And I think that the yeah. two things that really proved that for me was the number one was the video I did with Renee where we joked around about the ROM carts, which, you know, that was right when my channel was starting to grow. So most people got it. But then as the channel grew, they didn't know the backstory. So that was my fault. But the retro roundtable was a big one. And that was one that I still I still get messages about you to this day. And I still get <laughs> so annoyed with that because people don't seem to realize like the retro roundtable was essentially me, Voltar, Stia Nick from HD Retrovision, and Renee from DV Electronics brutally shitting on each other for two hours straight. Yeah. With a whole bunch of, like, serious topics mixed in, and occasionally somebody else would come into the mix, and we would treat them like equals, like they were one of us, which means we'd shit all over them. Right. And I remember talking to you a few times, and then somebody was talking oh about I know what you're talking the video about. that you did, I didn't know that was you, by the way. Well, but... it doesn't even matter because I think that literally you and I, I sent a message out to you within like a day of that. And because I was like, dude, I totally screwed up. I didn't see the perspective you guys were talking about. Well, funny, because that's a big comp. That whole thing, by the way, is a big compliment to you. Because number one, anybody that's ever made any video ever knows that your first ones are always going to suck. Yeah. I don't care who you yeah, are. Well, they're yeah. all going to suck. I leave my original podcast out there. I don't want to go, watch. Don't go look at yeah. mine, man. When one of mine pops up like in my oh, feed, yeah. I'm like... <laughs> I get a little nervous when I see those too. But but so there's always going to be mistakes. you got to learn from them. But the, I think the main thing that we shit on in that was just the whole anybody that makes a video on CRTs has to stress that you could die doing it. It's not likely, but if you die working on a Super Nintendo, that's your fault 100%. Yeah, and that should be like in the Guinness Book of World Records if you right. figured out how to do that without throwing it in like the bathtub with yourself. <laughs> right. But if you could die yeah. working on a CRT and it's not your fault, especially if you have a heart palpitation, you well, don't even know you have it. We so. need to give some perspective also on when this would have come out. This was like within the first 10 videos I made. I remember. I, I think it, it was it less was, than that. And 10. it was like, it, I mean, within the first, it, it, I yeah. hadn't made past 10 at this point. 
think it was more like three or four. Yeah, and it was like, I mean, this was when basically there was nothing on the internet about CRTs. Like mm. at all, really. I mean, there was a little bit. There but, was a couple. RGB but, Rob from Australia yes, had a couple, and then but it wasn't arcade. In, yeah, people had a lot of videos. Um, and then, I mean, I thought maybe like the eight bit guy did a, a CRT video or something. Oh, did he and put that like, in the dishwasher too? Yeah, probably. Uh, but then, oh, and uh, but you know, the big, the only person who really had any good content was like the, it was, I think the, um, my life in gaming video and then, uh, phone dorks videos, which were classic and still are. And then, um, yeah. And Rob. And, uh, so then there was really nobody going into, and that was kind of like the early, uh, takeoff where my videos were kind of actually doing good. Like normally they weren't, they weren't as good as the views they were getting because they were new. And it was just like, again, there wasn't, this was when the scene for CRTs was really growing. And I remember just being like, you know, I mean, I read through this whole manual and I had this good, nice, perfect condition, like 13 inch PVM. And it's like, there's no way I'm going to hurt myself on it. I know what I'm doing. But at the same time, I was like, just it, if you if you just clicked on that video and you saw no context, you didn't know you just saw this guy smacking the flyback or something on the CRT, you would have thought you're okay. And like you said, then somebody would have gotten zapped because they would have been doing that on a freaking you know no name right. <laughs> Emerson from 1990 that was ready to arc out and, and if it was a them. 36 inch then right. you know then oh yeah then it's trouble. got some serious voltage running through there so that was look i i liked that because that was an experience for me i'll never forget because uh firebrand x was like sent me a message hey dude you made it on the retro I, I, I was just gonna say somebody like, messaged me right afterwards <laughs> it must have been fbx but Somebody was like, hey, you know, that was that guy, Steve, that you were talking about. And I was like, oh, fuck, really? He was like, yeah, you already took the video down. I'm like, is he pissed? And he's like, I don't think so. I think he's just going to do another one. I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> no. Because, like, I can, for, for people that don't don't know it, right? Like, you're, I can only imagine you're there. And this has happened before, by the way, where we were 100% right. This one is, like, mixed because, you know, you were starting out and we we're just, in the, we're already being assholes to each other. But, like... I can imagine watching that, and now there's five people all harping on you. Not one, not two. So it's like, but, you know, you could have done what a lot of these other people did. One of the main reasons I don't do the retro round, well, we don't do the retro roundtable, is it got to the point where I was on an email chain where I had to listen to people's feelings afterwards because I said their product was amazing, but it might not, or might be a little too expensive for most people. And it's like, every word of that's true. I'm sorry we hurt your feelings because there was five of us, but you know, <laughs> you didn't do any of that. You were, you, you just were like, all right, I got to make sure to remember to do that in the next yeah. video. And you know, it's no, I remember sending you a message and I was like, I know I met, I was like, it, it, see, that's what I don't think a lot of people know, especially when you're getting started in YouTube or anything. There's no, um, your peers are like your quality control or your editors almost, you 100%. know, because like, especially if you're new, you don't have really, you're just putting it out there. And that's why you're getting the comments or the things. And that's, um, that's how you learn. Like, what do these people want to see? Or what do people want to see more of? What is um, and even your peers that make similar videos, like right, here's tips, here's, here's how to help. Hey, and... don't you know? 
I'm not trying to be a jerk, but don't, you know, try this next time. It, one of the hardest I learned things, so much from that. Like, oh, me too. But one of the hardest things for me to this day is still trying to figure out who is a troll piece of shit and who is a good person that's just really bad at wording things. Yes. Oh, and yes. I, I've, oh. I've, 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 I've made the mistake so many times. There was one, I've told the story before, so I'll skip through it, but I was so brutal to this one person. Just swearing at them. And I was like, if you could do it better, why don't you tell me how to do it? And they sat with me for two hours and walked me through what I did wrong. And, and it felt like such a They were shit. just trying to help. It's like, I'm so sorry. And you're, it's hard. Not only are you right, but you're a way better person than I am. And I, I still talk to them to this day. I still like yeah. them. But like, props to them for, for being patient and being like, no, I'm actually trying to help you, not yeah. be. But I mean, the community in general and, and you know the bigger players too like john linneman epos vox oh you know. yeah those uh, guys have been even like yeah, i've been more surprised how nice those guys have been uh, uh both reached out to me you know and i just wouldn't even think about it because they're so much i mean they've got some huge channels and you know really respected of course you do awesome too you know because and look i've going to tell everybody this since we're talking all the way <laughs> back about this stuff I would have never, nobody who's gotten a CRT done from me, I would have never done any of that if it wouldn't have been for Bob and for the original, uh, basically two pages that you had there on RGB monitors that I probably read through 200 times <laughs> just trying to figure out what they were originally and like going through and then totally like following your channel throughout the years. It's really you and uh, My Life in Gaming are the two guys that not only like inspired me kind of to get going and doing what I'm doing, but uh, I've, I, you know, I've learned, I learned constantly from you guys still to this day watching. Thank you very much. It's much so I'm glad, I'm glad somebody's paying attention. So. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's been, um, it's been a surreal like run and all of this for me and I've loved it, but at the same time, you bring up a great point where it's very difficult uh, to get read. Again, we're talking about context. We like um, that's kind of one of the reasons I started doing the new podcast with Lewis from Zez Retro. I was like, I want to have a little bit of a freedom to talk about the things that are like, well, here's the video I did, and here's the things that didn't make it that got edited out, or here's maybe some context that I want to make sure is out there and known about it if you yeah. go back. And I was like, you have an opportunity kind of, I think, with the way you do your uh, channel. And then you have, you know, obviously you've got a chance then to write about it. And mm. then you've got a chance on the roundup. If, and if, if you've made a video about it, you know, you can, you got, you got ways I to basically enough, like, yeah, yeah I'd be like, hey, you know, just so you get this clear. Because I was like, I kind of need that because I feel like sometimes things that, I'll either they'll get edited out of a video because they didn't look right in a shooting scene or whatever. Um, but or it's like I don't want you to forget this one important part that I've been asked a hundred times about convergence, and it's in this one video. Please go watch it or something like that. Yeah. Because you can't. That's the funny thing about YouTube is like you're so. I, this is what I was. I want to think I want to bring up. We can bring it up now, I guess. But the like when you're naming your videos and you're like, I have to name it like a little bit silly. Almost, or in like this certain, yeah. I have to name it in a certain way for it to get like the full audience it gets. Whereas if I try to put the more technical thing that I want people to see in the video, yeah. that if I title it that, it gets half the views or something. And so you're like, 
constantly trying to play that. Yeah, a couple years ago, I drew my line for that. And, you know, my opinion's always changing. We're humans. The more you learn, the more, you know, you evolve. But my opinion is that my content is always going to be what I want it to be and pretty much, you know, just an evolution of what you've seen. But the title and the uh, thumbnail, I will do anything. Anything. A bunch of my friends make fun of the people who do, like, the jaw open and... To <laughs> the be honest, face. I would... Yeah. <laughs> I would I wouldn't do that only because everybody does it now. But yeah. like, if that was a new thing that could get me views, fine. If I had to hang upside down with my man titties hitting me in the face, if that got me a million views, I would do it shamelessly. As long as the content stays the same, you know. I call Mason Conrad does my thumbnails because yeah. you could always tell which one Mason does and which one I do because mine are terrible. But I just, I, you know, I always tell Mason, like, a couple of them, I was like, you need to make sure that people look at this and see it in N64. Yeah. And put me in it, because I want people to remember I did it. But, like, the N64 and some colorful things and put anything else. Put, put, put big cock and balls if you think that's what's going to get people to click on it. Whatever. It's, but like, it's crazy how how that is an entire element of the whole production it's like you make all this countless hours of effort put into this your baby the video yeah and then the last like two things you're concerned about like the con the the title the description and then the thumbnail and it's just like insane it's like well nobody funny thing is is the years of terrestrial television they never had to worry about anything like this it's like yeah if you're a fan of pod stars or something you're just watching every pod stars you're not like yeah well maybe but so i agree and disagree in that like how many people bought ride the lightning because they saw that badass cover and the name metallica like just describes what you might want to listen to and like the band could have sucked, but you still probably would have yeah. bought that. You know, at yeah, the very least, that album. Cover. Yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but it, it. So there's, you know, there's a thing you always. But the know, album kind of matched the cover, so Love that was like too. that was where, yeah, that was where you actually got. So now you'll get the two where. But yeah, I mean, I, the the long port, I, I guess, is where it's like, I can't give. Like if I'm trying to get somebody to view a big video, I can't be like naming it the most nerdy, yeah, convergence trick ad- adjustment or something like that. That uh, unless it's I need it specifically to be out there for that, so that people will come just to that. Yeah. For that, otherwise, I mean, you should have Mason do you up a thumbnail that I'm says how not to, to die him. working yeah. at CRT. <laughs> and see what happens, and just walk through. <laughs> discharge and what it is yeah. and the safety and, and see what happens and you know maybe maybe that'll be a kicker yeah and i was i was it's funny i was talking to to ryan again Castaway. he's like don't you know that people just want to see you like discharge a tv like 25 times in a row so that they'll feel more comfortable yeah doing it themselves and i'm like yeah i do some so many times take it for granted well that's something that um that's something that you're good at visually and you got to keep doing it because we're both very very lucky that a large part of our washers listeners whatever you want to say english is not their first language yeah that's true and they still take the time to try and listen to what we do so get your visual cues in there. That's why for the fancy videos I do, I, I just spend an ungodly amount of time making it. Because remember, I'm no My Life in Gaming. I'm no John Linneman. It's a lot of work for me to make it look that 
fake ass wannabe my life man no, it's, video, it's like so. i was gonna say you're like like you, you do great stuff because like I, I, we were talking before this being somebody who um doesn't have any kind of like a film background it's it's you know you're running against something you don't really know what you're running against like you're yeah am i doing good am i doing good I, and I unless somebody really tells you yeah. you're just yeah and i think that like i mean i, I love a lot of the um You've been doing great stuff that for like years. I've been trying to emulate for, uh, which I'm glad you actually brought over some things with you that, (laughs) like the spinny, spinneroony, the uh, spinner for the uh, CRTs. I was like, man, that would look so cool if I could just like kick it and let it spin for a minute. So little tricks like that, learn from each other, but keep your visual cues up there because if people see, or or even even people that might not necessarily you know, speak another language first, even people that are just half paying attention because that's what a generation of people do now. Like, if they see you, you know, with your hand on the chassis and, like, you you know, put a glove on. You don't need a glove, but put a fucking glove on or something. And just so people see, like, this is the danger part. Like, just do that every time. Throw throw it every chance you can. You know, it's an extra minute or two in your video. It's, it's like a cool thing. And yeah, I need to get some cool graphics. Just like warning, you know, get like a the second giant... camera focused just on the anode cap yeah. so you see the spark. I wish so you I can have... do the two camera view. There's, like... I've, I think I've gotten a sparks on them only on obviously com, con, uh, consumer televisions mostly because the oh, yeah? the pro ones have the. I've had. Uh, I can remember. Um, like going through and discharging almost a hundred PVMs, and then I was laughing because I was like about to grab this PVM, and I was like, "This never zaps. What am I worried about?" And that was the one time I turned it over and did it, and it did Zapped. the spark. And so, like you say, you never can. Uh, you, it's it's just like anything. Anytime you take something for granted, oh, yeah. that's when it's going to bust you in the ass. That's always oh, the dude, way. It's I been. just replaced all of the outlets in my house, like ninety percent of them. And I was so cautious because, you know, I, I hadn't done that in a while. So I was like, okay. And there was a couple of things in my house that were wired wrong. And I'm like, that doesn't look right. And the electrician showed up like, that's not right. Like, All right, cool. <laughs> the very last toggle switch I did, the very, very last one out of, you know, probably 50 at this point, you know, toggle switches, plugs, everything around your Think of how many plugs you have in your whole house, right? Uh, it was a little off-centered. So I just grabbed it and twisted it to try to center it and I grabbed right onto the screw Ooh. and I just went, it was like, whoop, okay. Like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's barely a shock, but uh, that's what happens when you get caught. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there were a couple of the worst, the, the most difficult one to like get in and kind of mess around with that I've zapped myself the most with has been trying to adjust the Sony PVM 2030 we talked mm. about. So that's the black cube 20 inch uh, PVM from like the late 80s, early 90s. And um, it, when you get inside of it, you know, it tells you all these fancy things you can do, of course, to adjust like your dynamic convergence. You've got your little potentiometer on your neck board. The problem is, is you can't reach it. Like you can't get in there and reach it. Yeah. And if you do, what happens is this board's hot and this board's hot. And all it takes is for you to do like that against the two or a piece of metal and boom, it'll, yeah. it'll zap you. And like you pull your hand back just as a natural reaction. And I've scraped my hand from doing that. So it's not like even a bad zap. I did have the power go out too, because those, those ones are actually kind of dangerous. They've got an outlet 
in the input board, like an additional hot outlet that yeah. just goes straight off the power supply. Mm -hmm. And so you can get another in, put anything in to power it. And I had one of those where that outlet came loose from the shell and I plugged the monitor, turned it on, and that thing grounded out the hot against the metal frame and popped my house power where it just, like, I had to go back to the breaker box and flip mm. switches. And um, that was the scariest because it made a big and, like, cut the power out. And that was something that was not an anode cap. So you have, I mean, you know, anytime, so anytime you have something plugged in, you can't take it for granted if it's plugged in now you you know even if i've talked to save and pat about this because he has seen people you know zap themselves a lot by just trying to discharge it because mm. if you look away sony made you discharge do you realize what they made you do they didn't yeah. let you use a discharge tool right like yeah. you'd have probably gotten fired or written up if you tried to use a discharge tool to get the anode cap off right and so, like, you had to actually get on there and pull it off, and then you could use the discharge tool after to discharge. Yeah, we Pat and I, when I was over at his house, I was talking to him about the specific BBM we were looking at, and he was like, you know, off off mic, he was like, actually, this is about one of the safest, you know, BBMs you could ever work on. I just said, Pat, will you please do me a favor? <laughs> Don't ever fucking tell anybody that. <laughs> Don't, because they're going to see you do it to this. And they're going to go grab, you know, something else. And he's like, yeah. it's a good point. You know, I was just thinking, though, when we were having this conversation, I just had a flashback to kindergarten, first grade, something like that. I got a crazy good memory. So, um, yeah. but somebody came in from the power company who worked on the lines. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. And he was showing the equipment that he uses uh, when he's up on the ladder or up in the bucket. And it's basically like a small glove. And then a giant, like, uh, like the ultra dishwasher gloves, but yeah. like industrial. And then there's another glove over that. And he said every day when he goes in, you know, he blows up the little one like a balloon, blows up the other one like a balloon. And if it doesn't hold air, they cut the fingers off all of them just to make sure because even the slightest pinhole the electricity could go through. But with those triple glove setup, he's like, you could grab a line and on never. the bowl. So... Are, are those things available today? So somebody who wants to work on a CRT oh. could put those on and just grab yeah. the anode cup, pull it off, and hit it with a screwdriver? Well, yeah, you, I mean, you could you grab can. a power line from yeah, the street, yeah, yeah. you could like grab you an can. anode cup. Well, so. you can definitely do that, and I've done that in some of the earlier safety videos where you take and you get the um, like the electrical rubber gloves that come down to like here. Yeah, they're almost here. all the way to your elbow. And then yeah. you... Uh, see, like you could do a poor man's version and you just get like leather gloves that you put over top of those. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm just saying that's like yeah. one thing, but that's, that's kind of like a step towards that, but you definitely can go to a place cause I got my safety glove, uh, my other safety, um, gloves from Granger. Have you heard of Granger? Yeah, yeah, of course. So Granger has all that stuff for still linemen and stuff. So you can go buy any like they'll have a rating Do you know how much they cost they're generally about a hundred bucks i want to say like that's 80 60 to 100 bucks depending on the quality of it and then that's per set so if you went like three sets you might pay a little bit like three times that of course you would never have one any, set would be fine right? yeah but it, yeah you would never have um the real see the 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 worst the, the problem is, is 
I think with a CRT is when you have to get in there and work on something, um, you know, while it's turned on. Like, yeah. that's the scariest part. It is still even gives me goosebumps, but so, the, you know, just know that. it When it's, like, got power into it and you have to do those certain adjustments, you don't have a choice. And right. it's like you have to get near the yoke. So if you have to add a conversion strip or if you have to adjust, like... Um, on an older PVM and you have to adjust the yoke to tilt or if it's leaning one way and it's wonky, either, either situation, a lot of times you got to turn the screen on and, you know, and then you're putting your arm near, not yeah. only the, this, you've got your arm up there next to the anode cap kind of already. Yeah. And that you'll net, I mean, you should never really even though fa- feel comfortable doing that, I don't think, because right, yeah. that is, again, it's like you're talking about your, um, in your kindergarten class talking to the high-power lineman. He, there wasn't a time where he was putting those gloves on where he was ever, like, probably comfortable. And, I, I mean, yeah. I would have been, like, I remember, so prior, in my prior life, before I got into all this, the most experience, I, so I had a job um, where I did some electrical work and it was with BASF Chemicals, mm-hmm. which is like the biggest chemical company mm-hmm. in the world. And we, um, my specific outfit would go and put chemicals into concrete and make them do different things that they weren't supposed to normally do, either really strong or really flow fast and be set. And then the final thing was to put colors into them. So if you go into a Walmart and you notice the color of the concrete on the floor, that's not just painted. It's got a pigment dye mixed into it. So the chemical company had us put these machines in that were in C containers. They just show up to the site, but they had to be uh, wired in at like the 240 volts. Mm-hmm. So that, and that was like the scariest thing ever to me. You know, they're like, they were always like, you could come in here and rewire this and die. And they would just constantly be saying that. They're like, you could touch this junction box and die. And I was just terrified of ever going near but those colored machines. But that's really way the way, if you're not like, and that's a good way to describe it because I feel like if you're not willing to take the time to really uh, um, invest the time to research like the safety involved, because yeah. it doesn't take a lot to go and read a service manual for a CRT that you right. own. But practice, practice safety, and yeah. stay terrified. I've never once gotten zapped <laughs> from a CRT because every time my hand goes near it, I am consciously thinking, "I this could be very bad. I could die." The same reason I never crashed my motorcycle. I was a little unhinged in my youth, and I, I just because every time I get on that sucker, fifteen miles an hour, put put putting by the ocean or. 170 around a corner wearing shorts, <laughs> t-shirt, and sunglasses. I knew any second I could die, and I never had a problem. I shouldn't say that. Every time you get on a motorcycle, you have a problem. But I never died because I was always terrified of it. And I have there were so many occasions where if I was blasé about the whole thing, I'd have been street pizza. So it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's definitely something when it comes to a CRT and. I think that's kind of why my um, the importance of my what I'm trying to do with my channel is I don't want it to really be all about like this is the all end be all like guide to doing something um, 
you know, like it, yeah. a lot of times. What I'm trying to do is just uh, give the viewers a glimpse into doing it so that if this is part of that research, right, that they should do. I, I tell anybody, I'm like, if you're going to work, the first thing people always ask me, and I tell them the same thing every time, if you're going to work on any CRT, uh, pick the CRT and then try to find the manual, you know, and then ref, ref, yeah. make yourself know everything in that manual is 200 pages on a CRT. It's boring as I'll get out, yes. but sit there and learn as much as you can about that machine from the actual manufacturer. Or at the very least, learn as much as you can about what it is that you need to do. So yeah. it's like, okay, yeah. well, you know, part of my screen is a little askew. So how do I do that? And then, you know, watch a couple of your videos, jump into the uh, into the manual and just immerse yourself in that and, and mm -hmm. kind of go from there. I think it's like, you know, you take it and you see a problem on your screen. And then, like you say, you can go then and reference the manual it'll tell you how to do something then you go watch some videos of watching crts get restored and like i said then you find one with a problem and then you see me do it so that because i don't think you should just uh like i said we were talking about a dangerous machine you should not really just go watch my video and then just go jump into it without learning a little bit more because yeah i mean you got to um just again, just it, it, but this is again like this is more on the side of the uh, dangerous stuff that you're doing because there's there's still some things you can do where it's not really dangerous, as dangerous with yeah, these machines. Yeah, you had a couple of videos that I loved where you were basically like, you know, here's a few things you could do that's like zero safety. Like here's how to you know mess with your front settings. Here's different right. things. Like those are cool. And also, once you have it discharged. It is pretty damn safe to work on. As long yeah. as you discharge it twice. Jose taught me that. The 32-inch uh, JVC, uh, I hit it you know, with the, the screwdriver. And I was like, all right, cool. And I went to grab it. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. Mm -mm. Hit it again. That's a big tube. And sure enough, there was an equally as loud pop or almost equally as loud. But you know, once, but once that's discharged like that, like then you could really get in there and you don't have to worry as long as you don't do something really stupid like plug it back in but you know once yes. again that's on you at that point so <laughs> yeah so like you're saying if you have it um the only thing i'm talking about with this stuff is like the these are these difficult has to be running higher diff i mean these are like master level crt adjustments with this having it running whereas you say if you're just you know getting in um wanting to recap it and it's works before that, and you're like, I want to recap it. I've recapped consoles. I'm ready to recap a CRT or something. Then, like you say, you get in and you discharge it, and definitely always double discharge the tube because I've had I've heard the same thing where a guy had a uh, um, his wedding ring mm. and got a bad zap from an arcade monitor. He did the same thing, discharged it. Discharge it once. Discharge it once. Yeah. And then while he was working on the chassis, just put his arm up on the top of the tube, not thinking about it, and hit that ring. And it, you know, it it about made him shit his pants. But it's, yeah. it's not. I don't wear any jewelry, so at least. I yeah, that that's going. what I was like. I was <laughs> laughing. I was like, I haven't worn mine in a while just because I don't want uh, anything like that. But it's, yeah, definitely something that um, once you get it discharged, you're not unless like you don't you don't plug it in if it's fully discharged if the tube's fully discharged there's really no harm you could even go through i know people have always said like be careful of capacitors and there yeah. might be like i've seen a couple i've got a video coming really soon about a panasonic that has 
filter caps in the power supply that are literally this big around, that might be so something. one thing that I've always, always done, and somebody, I mean, I was a little kid. Uh, we had a Toshiba CRT that kept dying. Um, so we brought it to a repair shop at least twice. And he mentioned to me, like, work, you know, because I was always a little shit that thought I could open up anything and try <laughs> yeah. to fix it. And he was like, don't ever do this. These are dangerous to work on. And make sure to just charge the plug, too, even if you're just moving it. So ever since I was... 11 years old or something when i unplug a crt if i'm going to be working on it i take just the ac cord and i just jump it together with a screwdriver and then if i know i'm going to be working on it like i'll hold the ac line jumped and i'll hit the power button once again not plugged into the wall (laughs) (laughs) ac cord in the the air holding up and i've never once seen a spark yeah ever wow but i have on other stuff on other mm-hmm. electronics equipment, especially like computer power supplies, things yeah. that can charge. So I feel like, and I've asked people about this over the years, and a lot of people are like, I do that too. And an equal amount of people are like, that sounds dumb, but it's not going to hurt anything. So keep doing it, whatever. But that's kind of, I always try to do that too, just because it's like, you know, even if it's, even if it's not a safety issue, even if there's zero chance of me dying for such an easy thing, like how, how dumb would we all feel if I like dropped an AC cord on the table, it hits my, you know, $600 Zoom F6 recorder and shorts it out shorts it it because it had a, yeah. So it's just, you know. It's good to get in, uh, and it's, it's good to get in the practice of just, this this is you know this isn't a new concept. When you go in to work for big companies, man, you got to go through safety checklists for this reason. And if yeah. if anybody was like if this was twenty years ago and we were going into like a major CRT repair shop, I guarantee you they'd have all kinds of these safety checklists because again, you know, somebody came in there not thinking they were hot stuff and zapped their you know themselves yeah. <laughs> and every time I've gotten cocky. It's, it's bit me sometimes literally with the zapping, but we had one, I, I used to work for a company that made all in one computers and one of our customers wanted the power supply on the inside. We tried explaining to him like, look, like medical grade stuff has to go through a completely different set of certification. You need a medically certified power supply. It's gotta be on the outside. We could put it in the ceiling, long DC wire, whatever. And they're like, well, can you make us a prototype? And we're like, fine but you're paying for it and it's almost no chance of passing they're like all right well let's just do it let's see what happens so myself and the engineer are looking at this we're putting it together and then i must have been half asleep or something because i came up with a brilliant idea of <laughs> well there's this giant heat sink on there why don't we bolt it directly to the metal chassis so it dissipates the heat and he's like that's a great idea we're both thinking like it's a dc power supply right yeah as if we're putting ground to metal <laughs> so we you know we have this whole thing up and you know because you know it was sitting uh parts facing up so we flipped it upside down the temperature ratings all drop we're all so excited like good idea bob good thinking bob <laughs> and all of a sudden the computer just goes off and we're like, what, what happened and then we realized that the ac power was going through that metal heat sink and we were basically putting AC to ground, oh. and we blew the whole thing out. And if any one of us happened to be, like, grabbing the metal arm oh, at the yeah. same time... Oh, yeah, then you would have been grounding yourself through that. The, all of the metal chassis had, like, a coating on them to yeah. prevent them from oxidizing. Yeah. So as soon as that oh. power supply kept rubbing through, it, once it got through the oxidi- oxidi- uh, the anti-oxidization thing, that's yeah. when it zapped. And I was just like... 
I think that was the last time I was ever cocky about that. <laughs> Although there were many times, like I had to have a rule, like nobody had to, was able to work on open uh, frame power supplies before 10 a.m. because of all the times I'd come out. Like I'd, my flight from Asia would land, I'd get home at 2 a.m., I'd be in the office at 8 o'clock, and I'd be like, all right, guys, what are we doing? Ah! <laughs> Do it! And then it smells like burnt flesh for the next yeah. two hours. Just you get like, some, some two spots uh, on you. You're like, yeah, that was, that's a reminder. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm quick on my feet for a fat guy, but like when you're stuck to open AC power, like it takes a good solid second before you could like, yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's actually interesting. You bring that up, uh, the medical grade stuff, because I, uh, you're working on, PVMs and half of them are medical grade and you get to see actually a difference inside between just something as simple as like a, a medical grade PVM then there's the non-medical version of it and it will have a completely different uh power it's mostly power stuff yeah. and it's all this different things for power treatment and like interference and like low levels of I don't know, um, grounding or any kind of, and I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but they have got some different, definitely engineering in them. Yeah, uh, 100%. It, compared to the... It's electromagnetic uh, right, interference, yeah. but it's also uh, temperature tolerance, Okay. Um, tolerance of DC voltage. A lot of medical grade could go from 8 to 24 volts. So like a Sega Genesis could go from like 7.5 to like 10 volts or something like that. 8 to 24 volts DC. That's a big there's, range. There's a whole bunch of stuff. There was somebody recently selling those internal PSU replacement kits for consoles. Mm -hmm. uh, so now you take, you know, you put the little one on the inside, you put the external brick on the outside, and they had shipped a medical grade external brick with it. And I was just like, I don't know who you are, kid, but you just got my respect big time. Like, there is no way that, like, and even if the internal PSU is, like, not as good as it could be, like, yeah. putting the, the good stuff on the outside, the AC to DC translation, like, that's uh, that's a big part of keeping clean power. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, and you don't need to do that, by the way. Yeah. Don't, don't all go run out and get medical grade PSUs for Yeah, your you don't. Just don't, saying. Don't, don't. Yeah, that you don't need to spend the money there, but the because they're yeah, they're um, well, I, and I kind of I can't remember who I was talking to. I was trying to get like what was the practical reasoning for that, and I think that I was told, and I don't know if this is you could, I was told that there is um, like ox since oxygen equipment, you can't have anything that could possibly cause a spark. Yeah, in anything basically. Yeah, or it has to be sealed in a, a thing yeah. or something like that. Well, and then there was um, one of the things that really made me notice it was we talk, and this is it's kind of like the evolution of the CRT. It always goes back to kind of that uh, '80s '90 era era where the 2030 again is that big cube monitor, and it was used both in um, Hollywood and in or production video production, but also in medical. Uh, arenas for like surgical theaters and things like that and the reason i found out that is because i bought a bunch from a medical university and they had these external additional power supplies built onto them and they were so old and like had all these weird coils and things in them and the only way i could ever get it to work was by taking that out and just removing it completely and going back to the old standard power supply that they had in the monitor to begin with yeah, that's probably the best bet in that situation. 
We're going to have to do a... a uh... Ooh, we got a friend back. <laughs> Brutus is back. So you mentioned before you're doing a podcast with my buddy Lewis. Good mm. dude. Um, when I first yes. heard that, when he first mentioned he was going to do something with you, I was so happy because he's, he's a huge nerd, so he's into this stuff, but he's really good on mic. I thought it would be, I thought you two would bounce off each other really well. And uh, in fact, he was the person I called when I had the Rona where I was like, dude, I got to get back on the horse and start riding again. So will you carry the podcast? And he's like, yeah, I got you. Whatever yeah. you need. So, you know. Where it was like, I it was like the worst podcast I ever did, but Lewis was awesome. So like, he it was actually a perfectly listenable podcast because of him. Yeah. So I was, well. I was really glad to hear that you guys were doing that together. And the first interview you guys did that that was pretty epic. The stories that you were telling, like I don't I don't want you to repeat yourself because I want people to go subscribe <laughs> to that and listen to it. But that that was pretty freaking epic. It brought me back to some of my crazy days where I'm just like, all I could think about is I wondered what parts of those stories you weren't telling. Because I just thought of all the times that I was in those situations where I'm like, I mean, it's past the statue of limitations. Oh, oh I know, right? Is there ever is there ever a statute of limitations? First off, yes, I love working with Lewis, and it's so funny because uh, I saw your podcast with him, and I was like, wait, I know Lewis, and it's like he's like that guy that's just like I know him, and then he uh, to me. I, I was like, he, he said, I'm doing a show. And then he asked me to be on there. And I had just a great time and do, talking about what you were talking about, um, you know, doing the stories. I knew I would have a good time with him because I could just tell uh, he's just got, you know, he's a, a really great guy to talk to. But he, um, yeah, he, we did that first thing together. And then the whole time I was like, man, I just, uh, it's like, I want to ask him to do more because I was like, I don't know. I, I could just tell because he, like you said, he is so good. And this goes back to his training and his job in uh, Estonia as a MC and like working with comedians and hosts and events. I could just tell he's so good at podcasts and, you know, going yeah. back and forth. He is very like a professional at it. And, um, and he's so into Catholic or, you know, CRTs. I was like, this is, I was like, please. And he was like, yes, let's do it. So we've been having just an awesome time talking about that stuff. And there's always, uh, there's always more stories though, but (laughs) you're, you're right, man. Sometimes you're just like, can I technically could, uh, somebody in this town get mad and finally say, I wonder what happened all those years ago. And yeah. Oh, so Yeah. It's... But Lewis is another one where his his other uh, comedy guy, Lewis Ezeron comedy guy, that podcast is centered around the you know his friends and the Estonian comedy scene. But he's got a couple that are total anybody could listen to, and while they talk about that a little bit, doesn't matter. It doesn't take away from the conversation. And I, I wish there was an easier way. Just same thing with like me and my weeklies, right? The weekly videos. Uh, the people that are into retro gaming, I'm sure, you know, aren't bored of. But it's not for the general people who are just casually into it. And it's the same with him. There's a couple of pod, like uh, Pincho, his friend Pincho. I think I'm saying his name right. I'm sorry if I'm not. But he went off on a rant about parking lot attendance. Where, like, I was heaving laughing. My I was just crying. And it just sent me right back to my early 20s. It was so spot-on correct. Like, I don't, I'm not going to steal his bit and ruin it because I would kill oh, it. Oh, my but goodness. Like, 
I was dying, and then the whole rest of the podcast was great too. It was talking yeah. about like moving from a different country, which both both of them did, and so yeah, like I'm I'm glad to see him get to do other stuff because yeah, he's he's somebody that I hope more people get to know. Yeah, you know? me too. I really do, um, and that's uh, you know I, that's since it was a new thing, and that's kind of the reason I was like, let's put it you know on Zez Retro, and let's let's grow from this, let's learn about it, because my whole thing was. Again, having another opportunity just to talk not only more in depth about things, but just to have a place to go to kind of go. I knew that, see, I felt like the more that I got comfortable with Lewis, the more weird things would just, conversations would just end up happening that wouldn't be so much. uh, There would be some great ones that aren't retro focused and nerdy focused, but then some great ones that aren't. I don't know how that exactly will work towards the audience and stuff like that eventually, but. I've had a great time with him and it's funny because we'll have like a ready thing to talk about for an hour and then we'll spend like 30 minutes before that talking about just random stuff and then 30 minutes after talking and we're laughing and we're like, should we just be recording this stuff? Because it's way more, we're just like, again, like talking about things, you know, back and forth of our lives and it's such a, that's one of the other reasons I really wanted to work with Lewis is he's Australian and in Estonia. Yeah. It's a and then funny I was story. like, that's yeah. so cool that like, it's, it's not, it's, it's somebody else who's got you, you uh, the European. All of that recording though. Yeah. Kevtris so, is the fucking worst at that. I, I like him. <laughs> I, I haven't talked to him that often, but I still consider him a friend. But Kev is the dude where you show up and you, yes, uh, this is how I did it. Uh, let me talk to you about it. Uh, <laughs> all right, thanks, Kev. Great. Okay. And the moment you hit off, he is He's just like off the fun charts. and yeah. personable. And <laughs> it's stuff where, like, I would never do this, but if I had just been like, okay, we're off, but kept recording. <laughs> if I had sent it back to him, he'd have totally been like, yeah, you could you could do that. But, like, yeah. it's just one of these things where it's like, yeah, you got to just, you got to record absolutely all of it. And it's, it's I will add. I've been having, yeah, and I'm I'm having so much fun because again I'm learning things through the lens of Lewis. I'm learning things and and like his experiences. I'm learning things about uh, Eastern Europe and Australia at the same time as I. Yeah. And then we're um, that's like a big part of the show is trying to um, represent each culture, but also talk about cultural differences even in just like retro gaming and like what mm. what people are doing because you know getting like crts in europe is a different game than really the united states because in europe they already had scart and rgb and so um there's not like this crazy i mean now there's a crazy ebay market all the time in the united states but over there there's not really a big ebay market for it um so he's always concentrating on like, wh- how are people getting these? What are they doing? Um, is it, how are they getting again, the monitors and things and what are they looking for in them? Because it's not the same. And then I have people that I've met um, that are like, there's like deserts where you're either in a desert where you can't find a CRT or you're in a desert where you can't find anybody else that wants the CRTs. Right, yeah. And you have, I have another guy who's in like Kuwait and he's got, He's like, I've got 50 BVMs, but I, I don't know. know. Like Contra. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah, know. I, know what to, I don't know what to do with them. And it, it's like, it's like I don't know. I, I was like before, 
before the world became a shipping nightmare, I was like, you could possibly get a shipping container of all these things. He's like, I have all these candy cabs too. And yeah. I'm like, you've you seen know, his pictures. Yeah. Of them, right? I'm like, where can we can make, I was like, you can send them to me and we can sell them. And, yeah. but then the, you know, now it's like, how do you even get a shipping container? It's not going to get back here for a while. So it's kind of, it's, it stinks, but, that's the funny thing is you get two to you know you're either always looking for a CRT or you're finding them and you've got nowhere to put them. Yeah, you know you, you mentioned like here in the cultural differences. I love, I always love to hear the cultural differences and stuff. But the things that make me the most happy are the stories that are exactly the same. Because like Ronnie, good friend of mine, contributor to the website, awesome dude, and he he was telling stories. I can't remember if it was when we were did the live stream together or it was one of the writers' podcasts. But he told a story of like how he ended up with the Genesis. And it was like one of those things that's so, you know, it's very unique. It's very like something that you might only run into when if you grew up where he grew up in Lebanon. Yeah. But then like he told another story that's like he could have, we could have lived on the same street together. It's just like the same type of thing. It's funny. Our taste in music's the same way. Like yeah. we, we grew up two completely different worlds, but like he is a badass metal bassist. Yeah. Like, he's like a, a lot of the same. He's music. a really cool guy. He's been, um, He's been a long time like supporter of my channel and follower of that, and I've I've talked to him a lot because I was talking to him. I don't know there was like a conflict going on there. I don't know what it was like two years ago maybe or something like in the area where he was living. Oh yeah, you yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, this was a while back because he was. Then the fertilizer plant exploded. Yes. At the port, the fertilizer right. exploded. And it was like because he had a twenty L two, and we were talking about it, but and. Uh, and I would just be like, man, how are you? I would just always try to be like, because he wouldn't bring it up. I was like, how are you? Are you hanging in there? Are you doing all right? You know, because yeah. I'm like, I care. That's the thing is like, once you start, um, it's really, I find it really uh, interesting because you become, you know, friends pr- with people in a different area that you've never physically in person met, but you've done so much with and talked so much with and you feel real close to them. But then when they're like not around you and something happens to them, or something goes on around them. It's like really, yeah. it's, it's almost like so worrisome because again, that's when the reality sets in that they are completely in a different spot and like, you know, going through craziness that's out of everybody's hands. And it's, yeah. so yeah, it's always it's something like shit. that, man. But I mean, it's it's one of these things. Like, I mean, you saw at the meetup, right? Some, a lot of those people, most of those people, in fact, had never met in person, but like, no. Uh, I think I had met Super G once, but like it's funny to see like a lot of us just in the same room. Like, it, like we, we, I mean, we have been friends for a long time, and even though it was the first time a lot of us had met, didn't feel that way at all because we'd all corresponded and stuff like that. And you know, yes, it, it just goes to show, right? Like, I don't want to get all philosophical, but like everybody, everybody is unique. We all have our own culture, our own background, but we're all the fucking same. All of us, we're all, we all eat shit and die. We all, yeah. you know, we all do our thing. And it's like, yeah. you know, it just, uh, stuff that reminds you of that it always, always makes me happy or sometimes sad. Like the stuff that happened to Ron last year, Handlebar. Like, yeah, yeah. Man, with, that really fucked me up. Man, and I, like, said, I wasn't I even that close with him. I didn't either. Like I had, uh, I had just followed him on uh, Twitter yeah. probably a month before you interviewed him. And um the real uh you know i was there's so yeah with he's had so much crap go on and so many people that um 
the 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 I, it, it's it's frustrating because the the internet we what we're talking about right now is like the best of it like where you can go and make real connections with a real friend yeah and then have um somebody there like it's you can rely on but at the same time there's so much you know the opposite of that going on too yeah and but yeah him um and just i I just saw where he yeah he he lost his dog recently both of them yeah yeah, so that's and i know that um I think it's Carl, right? He's yeah, not. Husband, yeah. He's not been doing good. Uh, I mean, from what I'd seen on the post, I, so it's. Uh, I, I don't care like what the situation is. If it's like, do you have a heart on things? It's like, are you gonna, you know, like for? Do you feel um, compassionate for people? And that's you know, people that going through. You never can. That's why I always try. And we were talking about people not having good filters online and, you know, leaving comments. And I know that this is a little bit different. I've always been kind of like give the benefit of the doubt. And I really just don't like if somebody leaves a dumbass comment, a lot of times I just ignore it. But um, because, again, I don't know. They could have had the shittiest day of their life, I guess, and just gone and left the decided to take it out on my video. And if that was got them through that day, then and all I did was take them talking shit to me then that's okay and I don't care about it but um I, I think there's there's different things that are good procedure for each platform so on Twitter never ever ever block because then they use that as their badge of honor now, yeah I've been yeah, saying yeah. that for a long time and I, I forgot that I still had a bunch of people blocked and one of my crazy stalkers did exactly that. Well, Bob just blocked me because of, and then he made up some batshit crazy. But this one in particular is really well, really articulate. Yeah. So it's always the same cycle where he'll convince a bunch of people I did something, and they'll all believe him. And then a couple of weeks go by, and they're like, "I think that guy's fucking crazy." <laughs> and then they'll all be like, "All right," and then they'll well, move, he he'll move on to another group of people. But so never, ever, ever block on Twitter. Just mute um, YouTube. Uh, I think it probably affects your algorithm, but I, anybody that's disrespectful to anybody else in the chat, automatically block. Yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's a good thing, especially yeah. if you're disrespectful to somebody else who's just leaving a comment or is just whatever. Yeah, and, and for me personally, like if you're obviously a troll, you're gone. And I know you're not supposed to. People have created six or seven different accounts yeah, to just... tell me that I shouldn't be blocking them. And it's like, hey, you blocked my other three accounts, but yeah, it just no, no. The the answer is no. And sometimes I get it wrong. And I the the times that I feel the worst, I've been I've got so much better at this. By the way, for anybody listening, I promise I've gotten better. But somebody will say something. I'll be like, yeah, I think you're a fuckface. You've got all that wrong, you know, why would you say that? It's like, I'm really sorry, English is actually my third language. What I meant to say was, and I'm like, oh my God, I am the worst human ever. I am so sorry. 
Please forgive me. Please read the other comments in this video so you know why I thought you were saying that. And yeah. every single time, they're always like, it's okay. I understand. I'm trying yeah. my best. You're yeah. trying your best. But like... You've got to... Man, yeah, you're right. You've I got feel to. like that dried out turd on the inside of the toilet that you can't even really scrape well, off. Like, that's what I feel from like your when perspective, I do things, it's so. probably coming right after you, you know, a couple of the real... Six or seven real, real pieces of idiots shit. And you click on something. their profile. When was it created? Yesterday? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I know why. I know why you're here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not or, even going to give you the the time of day. Well, um, I think we jumped off a little bit, but I remember you know we would mention Ron, and he had. I don't know if this is what you were going at, but he. Um, I thought that one thing is cool that you guys conversed about in his uh, interview is he liked to tell stories about like growing up. What's a what's a memorable? And he was talking about how his him grandma. and his grandmother. Yeah. And and I was like, man, see, you said like things that you like connect with somebody on, you hear about them, and that's some, that's the same thing with me. Like one of my earliest memories, um, well, some of my earliest memories were like five feet from us here in this room. That's pretty funny. Um, and yeah, like the whole uh, Ninja Turtles NES game, the Impossible Jump, that was conquered in this room by me. That's like the only <laughs> thing. And then like the only thing bigger than that was going past the. Uh, <laughs> the seaweed or whatever the, the swimming oh, that, level but he that fucking game. oh that game yeah i remember thinking i was like yeah this was the house that i come over and play that game because i didn't have it at home but then um he, he's brought up his grandmother and i remember my my grandmother was in florida and she our our families were always like nintendo families it was like always having the nintendos and then i eventually bought the sega genesis and stuff but like my grandmother had a Nintendo and we went down to Florida and she got the new Mario three. And so she's like, Oh, I got new Mario three. Come check it out. But her idea of checking it out was us, me and my kid sister to go watch her play it for three hours till she got tired of playing it. And then she's like, here, it's your turn. That's amazing. (laughs) That is amazing. It's my first Mario Super Mario three. Oh, video man. memory was she literally sat there for two and a half, three hours playing while we watched. And we were like, can we play Grandma? Not yet. And <laughs> of course, she, she spent hours at like um, slot machines, so yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, my grandma did too, but never, uh, not video games. She just liked the slot machines. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was kind of a funny... Um, Reminisce. It was for some reason it just ended there. I remember my grandmother. She had the uh, her and my granddad had the big um, like worst projection TVs you imagine. You know, like the first ones from the the CRT projection. Yes, that were terrible. Like that would have. I've never seen one that was good. Oh no, and it would have like a big like weird plastic plexiglass screen thing that. Yeah. You could and you could sit there and watch it and you would literally just see everything in almost red, green and uh blue. Everything's in primary colors because yeah. it was just terrible. And I remember like trying to go over there and beg them to let me hook up the like the Nintendo to that. Never wanted that. Oh no, you can't do that to the nice TV. But so I remember being a kid and two or three people I knew had one and you weren't allowed to hook up the video games to it because they said you're, you're not supposed to and I'm just like, I don't, I don't Maybe you weren't supposed to. It probably looked terrible when you did. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe they were worried about burning or something. Yeah. I, I just, 
They, it was never good. And remember those Mitsubishi DLP projection TVs? Oh yeah, yeah. From the like the late or the early two thousands and stuff. Yeah, those yeah. were. I remember my aunt cut one, and all I could think about is, man, I really wish you called me first because <laughs> I'm sure it's past the return period, and this thing is a, a those fuzzy things. Turn. Oh man, I actually did. So when I was in college, uh, my my house that I went or I went to college and my house, it was literally the weekend before uh, Christmas exam week. I'll never forget it. And I was a sophomore and I just moved. I had I lived in this house with all these party drunk idiots that I grew up with. And every single one of them besides me had failed out of school. Right. So no one could live in the house anymore. Mm. So. I was, I'd got everything moved out of the house except for like a console tube television that was left there and like a, a futon. And I was the only one left in the house at this point. And I remember watching Charlie Brown Christmas over the air. And then I went to school the next day and I got these calls like, oh, your house back home, it caught fire and burnt to the ground. And I was like, what? And so like every, thankfully everybody was okay. You know, nobody got hurt, but it was literally like the couple days after I had moved all my things back home that they burned. So you basically just delivered your yes. stuff to a bonfire. <laughs> yes. So like oh, anything I had horrifying. like from, from a kid growing up got burnt up in that fire. But, um, so that was, uh, that was a pretty, uh, a, a crazy experience, but yeah, it was, I did. I'd moved from that house and moved everything into that. Uh, the, back to the old house, and then it just, man, it just went up. And I remember um, having the finals, and I went, and I was like, before the finals tests, I'd go tell my teacher, "Hey, my house just burnt down." Oh, don't worry, you can just keep the grades you got. And I was like, really? <laughs> so uh, I was like, you know, this is kind of pre-internet but i was like man that's actually a pretty good scam if you run around and tell people your, your finals funny. week because they didn't make me take a single final and uh they just let me keep my grade which were good but i don't even remember where we got going on that but you know what's funny is i if if i feel like i'm wronged i could call somebody the most horrific name on the planet and go to bed feeling good about myself but like i i don't think i have it in me to be like my house burned down. I can't, you know, I, don't, I can't give my, my homework in or something like that. I don't think I could ever do that. I, yeah, I yeah. You mean like, oh, yeah, like if it was like if something you lied like about lied it. About, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I was kind of thinking because you know, nobody, that's exactly what the teachers are thinking. Nobody in their right mind would claim that their house burnt down. And, right. Yeah. And, and But, I mean, it, you know, it really did happen. But I was like, that's actually interesting. I didn't have to take. There's a lot of people that would though. All the people that buy like sure. the, uh, oh, nowadays yeah. buy a new product and then and swap it, it out for like a, a you know you... something garbage and return it. Yeah. This is completely off topic, but have you ever heard of the store Home Goods? Yeah, of course. Okay, I wa- I read this whole intricate article about the scam for Home Goods. So what you what the the biggest problem Home Goods have is that people will go to Home Goods and buy an item. And then they'll take their receipt and they'll take the t- price tag off the item and they'll go stick the price tag on some other shitty household item they have that's yeah. different because all their items are like custom one piece things 
and they said they have people just returning their old items back and they yeah. can't argue it. I knew a guy I knew a guy who was like, <laughs> like I didn't read the thought of that. Oh, this is really horrible. Somebody's gonna try to cancel me for this. But like <laughs> we had a couple people growing up that like were giant pieces of shit. And one of them passed away young and all like the newspaper article was like, Yeah, here's whole life ahead of him and I'm like, mm, pity. <laughs> And then there was one or two that that almost died in the hospital and and survived. And I'm just like, man, I I hope they turn their life around. I hope they realize, but they're not going to. And they didn't. And they were were just, they were the piece of shit that should have been the the kid that died. Everybody was like, oh, they could have been anything, even though they knew they didn't. And one of this guy's big scams for years before he got caught was going to all of the big stores I'm pretty sure there's so much, like, I don't think I'm giving anything away. I don't think you could do this now. But he would go to all the big stores and he'd be, he'd go to, like, the electronics section. Be like, hey, yeah, let me see that box over there behind the glass. And he'd look around and be like, um, yeah, you know what, I'll take it. But I got a bunch of shopping to do. Will you send that up to the, the front? And when he was looking around, he'd snap a picture of the, uh, of the UPC symbol with his phone. Mm-hmm. And then he'd have somebody... He'd be able to send that to somebody who'd uh, print out, or he would already have pre-printed other UPCs. So when they brought it up to the front, he'd be like, "Hey, is that? Did they send over the right one?" And he'd stick the other one oh on the my back. Gosh. <laughs> so he'd end up getting that like a thousand dollar camera for like a hundred bucks. Slick you know I mean? crazy. Yeah, so, I think he eventually ended up selling his pain meds from one of his oh, accidents, one of his many yeah, accidents. Yeah. Was... And then the last time I heard from him, he was walking around his backyard with a shotgun saying something like, I'm not too drunk to have one of these or something. I'm like, yeah, man. So glad well, I don't, so glad I stopped talking to you when I was 18 years old. Well, here's a throwback story that I personally lived through. And I can tell you this because we kind of topped up where we are on this subject. And this was how I used to get beer in small town, Tennessee, uh, being a high schooler. <laughs> This is, this is not, so this is not uh, any advice to any young people out there. But when, <laughs> when I was, when I was growing up, um, we would go into your chain grocery store and this was right when they started the U-Scan stuff. Like this U-Scan, which is now normal everywhere, was just showing up. And uh, so that was a little bit part of it, but still not so much of it. What we used to do is we would go, so you go in to your grocery store. You already knew the bathroom. So you had the bathroom scoped out and you have to get into the stall of the bathroom with um, a 12 pack of beer, a 12 pack of big brand cola and a super glue. And so, yes, we would sit there and pretend we were taking dumps. We'd have a lookout guy and we'd be swapping beers and sodas in the 12 packs and super gluing it shut and then going out none for the, you know, no one would know the difference. And I mean, that plan was beautiful, like for a long time. It took a lot of work and (laughs) going in there for like 45 minutes, swapping beers and then, but I'll tell you the way it stopped, right? So <laughs> one time I'm going and I'm, I am I hand my pack of soda to the cashier and he runs it across the scanner and the 
cardboard grabs onto the scanner and rips open and 12 beers come rolling down the conveyor belt right in front of me. And he goes, oh man, you're the guy who's been doing this. You better get the hell out of here. That's awesome. That's awesome. I I was like, all right. And I was out and I never did it again. Never uh, did it again, but yeah, he was like, "You're the one who's been doing this. You better get out of here, man." That's like, amazing. <laughs> yeah, I worked at the gas station when I was a kid, and these college or this one college kid started working there. It was just laid back, super nice guy, and he said that there's one liquor store that's a little lax with the carding. So I used to go with him after work, and then a couple of times I would meet him to go into the store. And the whole plan was that I would go in with all of his friends who were 21. I was 17 at the time. And they would hand me all the booze and all the cash. And (laughs) I would go up to the counter. And when they'd ask for the ID, like, they'd see all of them, who's there four days a week. And they'd be like, oh, hey, what's up, guys? And they'd never ask. So I went in by myself a couple times. Like, time number three, we're standing in line. And the guy's like, hey, do you have your ID? And I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't have it with me. But you remember me, right? I'm here with Dave all the time. And they're like, yeah, but like no ID. <laughs> and it's a husband and wife, both with thick accents. And the wife looks at my friend and she goes, your shirt. And he's like, yeah. She goes, Sepultura. That's a Brazilian band. And these people are in their 40s. This is the 90s. And he's like, yeah, they're fucking awesome. I'm like. Yeah, honestly, they are. That they, band changed my life. We both play guitar. We love them. They're like, oh, we're Brazilian. You guys are fine. That was it. So that was my... So I would go around... So then they didn't care. No. I, well, I think they just... They thought I was 21, but they're oh, like, oh, you're oh. cool. You're one of us oh, or something. So, then, yeah. so I would go around Sign my senior track. year of high school and like take everybody's order. And then I'd go after school. Yeah. And there was a police department annex next door. So... <laughs> I walk out one time. So you'd have to walk past cops all the time. By, I, I, I had a weird childhood, so we won't get into that, the cop part of it. But I had a 79 Camaro that was just, it was rust in the shape of a Camaro, pretty much. And I had parked it, and a cop parked right behind me. And as I'm out, I'm out with two bagfuls of booze. And I was just like, well, there's only two things that could possibly happen. He's there for me. Yeah. Or he's not. Right. So I was like, well, if he is there for me, what could I do to make myself look the least suspicious? <laughs> so I walk right out of the liquor store. I open the trunk of my car, put the booze in the trunk. I close it. I walk over. And I was like, hey, excuse me. Excuse me, officer. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not really from around here. Um, is there an ATM that's like this bank? Because like that one charges like a whole bunch of money. Just, I, I don't know. I don't know. And he goes back to writing, and I'm just like, (laughs) he's not here for me. me. (laughs) Got my Camaro. (laughs) You know that classic like instead of instead of (laughs) instead of you like walking out trying to be like sneaking. He's like, no, walk out there with confidence. What? Yeah, I didn't notice that kid till just now. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because what what's what seventeen year old would be dumb enough to bother a cop when you have beer? Yeah. There was that moment. You know, anybody that's driven old cars knows like you pump the gas three times and you go. For the gas, and you turn the crank. Please not this time. Please not this time. Like, okay, thank God, let's go. (laughs) Oh man, yeah. What was so? What was your first car? Uh, I was, I think I was still fifteen, and I bought a Pontiac Grand 
Grand Am? Grand Am. Yeah, the smaller, like, yeah, four-door yeah. boxy ones. Man, I remember those cars. And then a friend borrowed it and crashed it. <laughs> so I had, like, a, this beat-up thing. And then, <laughs> then we may or may not have allegedly been running from the cops and slid on ice. And so that was gone. <laughs> and then I got a 79 Camaro that was my oh, favorite. Oh, my gosh. And that thing, everything was falling off. Like, at one point, I'm driving down the road one time, and the seat breaks. And now I'm like in the back seat and I'm like, what the hell? And like, it just snapped. So I, I put like, I had like the window scraper. So I jammed that behind the seat and that was fine until it eventually worked its way through the seat. Oh, and and then it's so like, that, oh, so then I just, something stabbing me in the kidney. Yeah. And one of my friends is like, oh, I got this and jams a milk crate behind the seat. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. I'm driving down the street one time and the wipers just die. Uh, so I grabbed a, a squeegee and I'm like driving down the road with like a squeegee <laughs> and then I went to fix it. It was like, it's going to be like 300 bucks in parts to fix it. And I'm like, I don't have $300 to do this. So I took out the wiper motor and so now the wipers were like flopping around. So I'm like, all right, well, let me tie some rope around it so I can oh, just no. pull it. <laughs> but the rope like disintegrates immediately because it's soaking wet. And I, I'm in the car, and I was like, well, what can we do to replace the rope? What doesn't, what is like rope but won't fall apart in water? And I went, shoelaces. Give me your fucking shoelaces. And the kid in the passenger seat is like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'll buy you new ones. And he takes some shoelaces oh off, and we tie them to the car. And we're driving down the road with the windows cranked. Pull, pull, pull. <laughs> And then a friend of mine borrows oh, it, slams hilarious. the door, and shatters the driver oh. window. And this was not his fault. The The other car incident was oh. the other, definitely their fault. This was not. It was just the window oh. was slightly off track and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I obviously couldn't afford to fix the window, so I would just drive. I'd have like an extra jacket that I would put on the left side of me in rainstorms, and I would just be pulling the shoelaces, That's, driving with my knees oh my down gosh. the street. That's hilarious. Oh. I, you know, I've told that story before, and people have looked at me dead in the eye and been like, you're lying. No, no, that never no, happened. No. That's not. I, you're not. I know that sounds crazy, but you're not the first person I've heard use something like a rope oh. to try to rig up their windshield wipers. So no, my first vehicle was a hand-me-down. It was, and it was actually a really cool vehicle. It was a 1990 Grand Wagoneer. Do you remember those Jeep Grand Wagoneers? They had yeah. the wood paneling, just like the room here. Yeah, yeah, they had yeah. the wood paneling down. So my great my grandfather they were not good vehicles. No, my grandfather he bought one new every year up to ninety, and then he gave that ninety to my mom, and then she gave it to me as my first car. And yeah, it was a terrible vehicle because it was solid. Well, it was solid steel, but it literally got six to eight miles a gallon of gasoline. So I never wanted to drive anywhere. And I remember, <laughs> I remember messing around with. <clears throat> just being a kid in it messing around with like uh trying to put a tape deck tape with a cd disc man play cds and like listen to god smack on there and i'm trying to mess with it and all of a sudden i look up and there's a dude and i get the camaro it's kind of funny like a 90s camaro at a flat stop and man i plowed into him Aww. going like 25 miles an hour at a dead stop with this gray wagoneer and he literally was sitting in his trunk, Bob, because it just oh, folded like an accord. He, he was perfectly fine, and but it, it just hit him, and he folded where he was basically sitting in his trunk. But, yeah, that was that was my first vehicle, was the old uh, Grand Wagoneer Woody. Man, that thing, eight miles a gallon. 
I used to I used to love racing. I, I always loved cars. I was kind of good at it, mm-hmm. uh, especially compared to like like your average dude thinks they're a good driver until they actually <laughs> are on a course or something. Like I I could hold my own until they're around other good drivers. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like I could definitely hold my own with all that stuff. I, I loved it so much, and I never really realized like how far I went until I think I was like it was probably like twenty two or something, and. I had, like, family members in the car, and I'm driving the speed limit, and it's, like, starting to snow. We go to take a left-hand turn, just, you know, just around the bend, and the car just goes straight, you know, it goes, and it must have been black ice. So, you know, I pump the e-brake, and, you know, I do the Swedish flick, and the car just drifts around the corner. I wasn't a drifter, but I always did this stuff in the snow, and everybody in the car freezes, and they're like, what the fuck just happened? And I'm but, like, but you've made it into nothing, basically. Yeah, I was like, well, it's, it's slippery out, so you're going to compensate with the back, and they're like... Why would you know how to do that? They're like, <laughs> well, guys, remember when I used to use the car when I was 16 when it snowed? I would go to a big parking lot. And do and, this. And do this. <laughs> yeah, Because it was fun. And guess what that taught me? How to not crash a car in the snow. That's so, that's so invaluable. And I that's one of the fun, that's one of the things I did growing up. It, 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 my, my, I'm not going to lie. My parent, my dad would let me, um, he had this old Ford Red, uh, manual F-150 and it was a beater truck and it was an 80s model and I was like I was like 14 and I had a friend that lived like a half a mile from the house and it would be like Saturday night and I'm like I want to go hang out with my friend and my dad's like well screw it you've been practicing in the parking lot go over there and drive to him tonight and that was all good till one night when I was backing out of my friend's driveway and I just heard this giant crunch and I just booked it. I didn't turn around and he's like, my friend called the next day. Hey, my neighbor said they got hit and run last night. Do you know anything about it? I was wow. like, no. And I was, so that was like a guilty thing, but I was like, I'm 14. They'll throw me in jail. What am I going to do? I'm not supposed to drive. Yeah. My dad was giving me the car. You know, out of, I used to get pulled over a lot as a kid, mostly because I was the poor kid living with my grandparents in the rich town, in the, the one poor, or, you know, one or two poor streets in the rich town type of thing. But, like, the only three, two, two or three times in my life I've ever been pulled over, and they didn't a- ask for the license. I think out of all the times, there was, like, a handful, and they were mostly when I was under 16. Because if a couple, a couple, one of my friends used to say, you don't need a license to drive. You need a license to get pulled over. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just the worst one was I was in this middle of the woods and we're going down the hill and a car is right on my ass. And so I speed up and, you know, all of a sudden, like, right back on my ass. And the guy in the passenger seat was older and I was like, oh, man, this guy keeps riding my ass. Like, I'll speed up a little more. And now I'm doing, like, 50 in the backwoods. And I was like... Hey, man, I'm going to pull over and let this guy go. Whoever this is, like, I don't want to race tonight. Like, I don't have a license. Like, we're both weed in the car, like, whatever else. I pull over, and it's a cop, and he rolls over, and I was just like, what what do I say to get me out of this? And I was just like, you're a cop? I didn't know who it was. I thought there was somebody riding my ass, and they kept speeding. You're making me so nervous. And I don't know. This. Like, he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You were really? speeding. I'm like, of course I was speeding. I was scared. Why were you doing that? And he's, he's like, I'm sorry. Get home safe. And he pulls away, and my friend's like, wow, 
<laughs> that that's not how I thought that was going to end. And I'm like, hey, you know, let's go home. It's like that's like the scene from uh, Fear and Loathing where he gets pulled over by Gary Busey. And it's like, how is he going to get out of this? <laughs> yeah, you just got to go crazy, I guess. Sometimes. Well, look, uh, I think it's time to end it because if we keep telling stories, I'm going to tell one where somebody and we're not back supposed in the day to is going to be like, "That was you." And talk like, about it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so retro tech, obviously, uh, you know, people would find you there, but also the your new podcast with Lewis is yes. just on Zez Retro. Yes, it's it's on Zez Retro. Uh, we'll probably do a couple of like once every ten episodes on my channel, just to be bigger and kind of have like a um, show off every once in a while. Hoorah to try to get some more people, but for the most part, we're going to do it over there on Zez Retro. And um, definitely, the the first one was on Zez Retro too. Yes, right? and all of them are up you, to this. You got to watch. You have to watch that one. You have <laughs> that, to. now. Wait, that's not watch the cathode. Or listen. That's yeah. These are so. There's um, Lewis the Zez. He does a podcast himself with um, other creators from the communities. Had a couple other guys on there, uh, and then we do the Cathode Ray podcast. So the one you're talking about with the stories is. The Zez cast, like number two or three, that says Steve from Retrotech. And then after that, we've had, to this point, four episodes of the actual Cathode Ray podcast. Cool. All right. So, so definitely check those out. Um, they're available on all audio podcast services. So yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Same, same as this. Like, you know, if you, if you don't need to sit in front of YouTube and watch it, I think Lewis shares the same attitude that I do is he doesn't really give a shit where you watch or listen yeah. as long as you watch or listen. So yeah. pick whatever's the easiest for you. I'll have obviously links to everything. Um, and your Patreon is something that I, I'm, I have benefited from that <laughs> so often while also pissing off every one of your other Patreon subscribers <laughs> because you do this thing where you will, you will post on your Patreon when you find good deals on stuff. Yeah. And occasionally you found things that I've been looking for for years. So I'll get the notification. I'll click the link, buy it. And then <laughs> after I buy it, I'll go back to the Patreon post and there's like seven people like, what the fuck? It's already gone. Yeah. So like, I try sorry, to tell, not sorry. Yeah, I try to tell people like if you if as I if it's so here's the thing if it's made it to the point where I've posted it that means I've a lot of times it's me just posting it when I find it a lot of times though it's me sitting there for 20 minutes hovering over the buy it now for myself yeah and then I'm like oh, okay I'm not gonna buy this one let's share it to somebody else but I'm like at the same time I'm always like that with this stuff if you see it it's just like anything now if you see it it's in stock and you want it you need to get it well I will say uh and I will brag on behalf of the other awesome members of the retro gaming community not me for this one but Three of, I think three of three that I did that. I think all three times I snatched it up immediately, all became something. And the number one that I, I would love to talk about is Martin's 68X. Yeah. So that was, I sniped that. Other people were pissed that I grabbed it before them. But me sniping it first is what allowed the clone card to happen. Because generally speaking, the stuff that I get is rarely for me. It's for bigger projects and stuff like that. Uh, one of the other ones I'll tell you about as soon as we're off. Sorry, I just don't want to. You know, same thing, part shortages. I don't want to get everybody hyped for something that might not happen for a year, but that's midway through too, and it was, it was some of the stuff. So if I've sniped it underneath you in his <laughs> Patreon, I promise it's going to better things. Promise. And that's just, again, 
if you see it's like the the way you get the best deals in CRTs or anything like that is to just be sitting there and and almost not be looking for it. It's like be ready when it comes available yeah. to just buy it and be like that's how my that's within my budget or less than what I had planned. I don't need to think anymore about it. Yeah. It's here, and it's like you say because they these items come available, <clears throat> but there's differences in quality and. <laughs> just anything with that stuff so it, usually the ones i share are either really cheap or something people are really looking for yeah or convenience yeah hey, are you in this neighborhood of yes Ohio? yes so, so you're in this so. area you happen to be looking for pvm here's a great deal exactly. that i would buy if it was in my area but not it's not so moral of the story is subscribe to see his patreon <laughs> Anyway, Sounds as always, <laughs> thank you for everybody who's watching and listening. Thank you for inviting me oh, over thanks. and putting up with all this. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cheers, here we go. everybody.